At our staff meeting this week, we were talking about and planning for this day, rally day, celebration and kickoff for church school, dedication of our new hymn books. So this staff meeting, uh, there was this seeming and humorous consensus that we didn't need a sermon in today's service. No one would be listening or interested in a sermon. Everybody would be thumbing through the hymn books and trying to find their favorite hymn, learning about this new member amidst us, as Jeff says, not so interested in listening to a sermon. But on this first Sunday of September, Rally Day and celebration of the new church school year and plans and programs kicking off and getting underway, I'm hoping and praying that all of us might be engaged and might be inspired by a story from Acts chapter 16 about how we might live the life we were meant to live. Acts 16, 31 is the verse for this day. Here it is. They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. This is the word of the Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. One day this summer, Ginger and I went up to Washington. We went to see some family. We also went to attend a Major League Baseball game to get a little natitude (laughs) at the Washington Nationals ballpark, a beautiful spot in our nation's capital. We walked down the street into the stadium. There were many people uh, moving toward the stadium, and there were many vendors along the route, and everybody is moving in this same direction with much energy and much anticipation about the evening's baseball game. There were also several street preachers standing right in the midst of where everybody is moving, and they had megaphones And they had big signs that you could see from a long way away. And they were standing right where you had to get around them. And they were saying things like, repent and be saved. They were saying things like, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Those folk obviously have a powerful sense of calling and commitment. I'm not questioning their sense of faith or their commitment to what they're doing, but I have never really been one to be drawn in by that kind of message. In fact, I worry that those moments uh, do more to repel people from faith than draw people to faith. And that kind of approach seems quite out of context from the story of the first apostles. We have a great story today from Acts 16. Just to remind you, the book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, and it's the continuing story of the disciples after Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, following his resurrection from the dead, ascends into heaven, leaving the disciples to carry on in his work for the coming reign of God. Then in Acts chapter 2, we have the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Pentecost story. The Spirit of Jesus blows in and through and around to empower these disciples, to give them energy, to guide them in their work. 
they are to be about the same work of Jesus. Preaching, teaching, healing, gathering community, drawing people together, facilitating the coming reign of God into the world. A reign that looks like light and peace and hope and joy for everyone. That's their work. By the time we get to Acts chapter 16, this Jesus movement toward the reign of God is growing and it's spreading. While it started around the Sea of Galilee with Jesus and his message, it moved out across the Roman Empire. It picked up followers and communities were formed. And in Acts 16, this Christian kingdom of God movement, which now includes the Apostle Paul, who was once a prominent persecutor of Christians, but now a convert and turned apostle, this whole movement and this particular story is in Philippi. Philippi is a major city in Macedonia, which would be in eastern Greece today. So that's a long way from the Sea of Galilee in a very short time, the spreading of this kingdom Jesus movement about light and love and hope for the whole world. And as this Christian movement spreads, much of this is found in the book of Acts. There are wonderful stories and there are many, many challenges that confront this movement. In Philippi, Paul and Silas are thrown into jail. In an effort to spread the kingdom of peace and light, Paul and Silas encountered a slave girl who was possessed by demons. So they cast out the demons from the the girl. This seems like a great act of love and care in the name of Jesus. But this act did not sit well with the slave owners of the girl. Those demons, you see, allowed the slave girl to tell fortunes and make money for the owners. So the owners of the slave threw a fit. And they had Paul and Silas sent to the jailhouse for disrupting the peace. Paul and Silas were, it says, stripped and beaten As roving troublemakers, the crowd joined in, the magistrates joined with the crowd and had them placed in prison in Philippi. The jailer, it says, put Paul and Silas deep in the prison and even had their feet fastened to the stock. Deep in the jail, feet fastened to stock, that is locked up. Then this is what happened. Paul and Silas deep in the jail with their feet in the stocks, were praying. They were praying and singing hymns. Maybe they even had a new hymn book. It says the other prisoners were listening and being drawn into this. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison shook and the doors were opened and the chains fell off. Earthquakes in the Bible, often symbolize God shaking the foundations, God turning the tables on who's in charge. Earthquakes in the Bible want to get us focused, get us attentive about how things are going to unfold. When the jailer woke up and saw what had happened, he threatened to kill himself because he knew that if the prisoners got escaped, they escaped, they would kill him. The people in charge would kill him. 
Paul shouted to the jailer, Do not harm yourself, for we are right here. The jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in, and they all got together, and he took Paul and Silas outside of the jail, and he said to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer knew that those formerly in charge were no longer in charge. Paul and Silas answered the question, which is our verse for today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. The, day, the jailer then took Paul and Silas to his house. And he washed their wounds. And he prepared a meal for them. And then all of his household were baptized. And his whole household rejoiced. Here's what's most provocative for me about this passage. The message, a a contemporary translation of the ancient text into language familiar to us, puts it this way. In answer to the jailer's desperate question, what do I have to do to be saved, to really live? This is what Paul says. Put your entire trust in the Master Jesus And then you will live the life you were meant to live. You and your whole household included. Live as you were meant to live. Live as if you were meant to live. Isn't that what we all want? This story is about a slave girl who makes money for her Owners, but whose life is held captive by demons and by her owners. That's not the life we're meant to live. This story is about a jailer who's so frightened at events in the jail and at the earthquake that he wants to kill himself. That's not the life that we're meant to live. This is a story about crowds and magistrates around who are so filled with ranting and fears that they don't know what to do. It's not how we're meant to live. The kingdom Christian movement, the kingdom of God movement is spreading. That's what the story of Acts is about. What is it about, really? It's about discovering the life we're meant to live. Not held captive to demons, not enslaved to owners who benefit from us. What are your demons? What are they? What are your demons? What enslaves you? Is it loneliness? Is it depression? Is it the workday job? Is it the monthly mortgage payment? The overprogrammed lives of our children? Is it some other contest of doggy dog that traps us and burdens us? Grades that we have to get for our children in order to get here, or evaluations that we have to attain for ourselves, pressures, burdens of our lives? All of that can feel like enslavement. What are your fears? Or maybe more 
specifically a better question, how are you doing with your fears? Because we all have them. They're such a part of life. You've heard me say before that the most prominent command in all of Scripture is that word from God, do not fear. I have read this past week that there are actually 366 words from God or God's messenger in the Scriptures, 366 of them that say, do not fear. 366. So that works out to about one a day, even for leap year. One a day because God knows we need to hear this. Do not fear. We live in fear. And yet, once again, in response to the jailer's desperate concerns and his fears, Paul says in Acts 16.31, Trust in the Master Jesus. Live the life you are meant to live. And then there's that picture that comes right after that message of what living as you're meant to live looks like. Paul and Silas told the jailer and his family the story of Jesus. It was like a lifetime of Sunday school condensed into a a brief summary right there, right outside the jail. They must have said something like this, God loves you, man. God really cares about you. God holds you and all of your concerns and God never leaves you. They must have said something like that and like this. Since your life comes from God and since your life belongs to God and is always held by God, then your life is about serving God. Your life is about loving others And doing God's work in the world. Your life is meant to be about following Jesus. And spreading help. And giving care. And the story says that that the jailer dressed the wounds. He took them home. And he dressed their wounds. And he made them feel at home in his own house. And the jailer and his family were baptized. And then they shared a meal together a meal together, and then they rejoiced. They rejoiced and they put their trust in God and they kept nurturing their faith and they began singing together, no doubt, and striving to serve God as they followed Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus, they said. Live as if you're meant to live. That's the message. It makes so much sense. It seems so easy. It's a way to life. It's a way to freedom. It's the way to purpose. Out of our demons and fears. It sets the course for our lives. Gives us focus. Live as if you're meant to live. Know God's love. Love God and others. Participate in common life. Build community. Have meals together. Grow in faith and keep growing and serve God in the city. Sounds like church. Live as if you're meant to live. Not enslaved, but encouraged in faithfulness. Live as if you're meant to live. Not held captive by demons. 
committed to the life of fellowship and community and commitment and justice and joy. Live as if you're meant to live. Care for one another. Bind up each other's wounds. Wash each other and become clean together and find faith and hope. Indeed, feed each other. Celebrate life. Rejoice in God. And keep singing and celebrating. This is the way we're meant to live. The way we're meant to live. And this is what we're called to be about, too, obviously. As we launch into Rally Day and as we celebrate church school and new classes and new opportunities to find life and faith and commitment together, as we gather at the Lord's table, as we live as we're meant to live, not in a rat race, not enslaved, not lost in fear, not covered with sadness or other things. You are loved. You are held. You are known. You belong. And our life together is about serving. So we come to this table We come to be fed. And we come so that we can be sent again into the world to serve. We are God's own. This is the life we're meant to live. In worship and work. In care and commitment. This is the way. May God bless us. Today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your abiding faithfulness. We commit our lives to abiding faithfulness following Jesus Christ. Amen.